Hello and welcome to The Zip Files, a weekly technology news catch-up show. As always, I'll mash you with loads of the good stuff, covering zooming around in 800mph pods, Apple's first big-time foray into the world of augmented and virtual reality, Facebook's new service to help us find long-lasting love, the NASA-built nuclear fission reactor called Krusty, Krusty with a K by the way, and much, much more. In between all that catching up, we'll have our long listen on GDPR this week, the new EU legislation that is set to land on May 25th. Of course, tech is great, but it wouldn't be the zip files if we didn't have one of my friends answering stimulating questions throughout. This time, you'll be meeting Minnie. My name's Minnie. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Minnie and I secretly want to be famous on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) No way. Only if it happens naturally. Without further ado, retract your legs, pop your ears on, and let's get all caught up with the world of tech. Apple's CEO Tim Cook has been openly positive about augmented reality and its place in our future, saying that it will become as central to our lives as the trusty smartphone. However, Apple hasn't really done very much publicly with augmented or virtual reality, but that is all set to change. It was leaked by an insider recently that they are developing a headset that will have both AR and VR capabilities. Just to clarify the difference, AR projects onto the real world, think Snapchat filters, whereas VR transports you to a whole new digital world. Apple's goggles will be able to do both. Plans to have an AK, AK? <laughs> an 8K display for each eye, a much higher resolution than today's best TVs, and to power these displays with an extremely powerful custom-built chip. The high resolution and fast processing speeds will help to reduce the chance of side effects like motion sickness. The headset, codenamed T288, <laughs> for some reason, is in the early stages of development, but nevertheless is slated for a 2020 release. If Apple nail this product, I really think it could be sort of the pivotal moment of AR adoption. Just like how Tesla made electric cars cool, Apple could make wearing techie glasses cool. Landmark legal stuff coming out of California this week, the US of America's most populous state. The Supreme Court there ruled to expand protections for workers and place the burden on their employers to prove that they are independent contractors rather than employees. This move to institute more equitable minimum requirements for employees is meant to, quote, prevent the type of race to the bottom that occurs when businesses implement new structure or policies that result in substandard wages and unhealthy conditions. This ruling is big news for the gig economy. Think Amazon Prime Delivery, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, etc., which might have to rethink their whole relationship with their workers. This could see prices increase in the sector as workers move to employee status and enjoy the related perks, like minimum wage guarantees, extra social security benefits, and other good stuff. Expect California's strong influence to see this ruling move through other states. All right, if you could time travel, so you can go forwards or backwards through time, where would you go? I don't know, because obviously going, like, decently far back, like, Romans, (laughs) would be be cool, because it would be so different. But I'd kind of prefer to go maybe, like, 1960s, where it's, like, pretty different, but still kind of relatable. <laughs> Whereabouts in the world would you want to go in the 60s? America. That's such a boring answer. Like, I could literally go anywhere. But... <laughs>
All right, so you've got loads of cash, billions of cash, in fact, and you've worked hard in tech for a bunch of time. What is your next step? Well, if you're Yan Coom, co-founder of Facebook-owned WhatsApp, then your answer is simple: head off into the sunset. Yan, who carried on running WhatsApp after its $19 billion sale to Facebook in 2014, has been in dispute with FB over its plans to weaken WhatsApp's encryption and collect personal user information. Coom doesn't want to be a part of this any longer. Instead, he's off to collect cars and play ultimate frisbee. Like legit, I'm not making that up. That is what he said he'll do. The other WhatsApp co-founder, Brian Acton, left Facebook in 2017 and has gone so far as to promote the hashtag delete Facebook movement in recent times. Paul Zuckerberg. All right. So last week we spoke on the zip files about fears that analysts had around Apple. Well, those fears were actually largely dispelled this week as the company reported better than expected profit and earnings. Tim Cook's Apple allayed the feverish fears of investors who worried the iPhone popularity might be a thing of the past. Sales of the iPhone were reported strong in the first three months of the year, with the iPhone X leading the charge as the world's best-selling smartphone for the quarter. An impressive achievement for a handset that is upwards of one thousand dollars. While the iPhone X is a winner, many are still a bit disappointed by its level of success. Tim thinks this is all a little bit silly. Analogizing during the reporting call, quote, "The team wins the Super Bowl. You want them to win by a few more points, but it's a Super Bowl winner, and it's how we feel about it." Full stop. In other Facebook news, Facebook held its annual F8 Developer Conference on Tuesday, an event which sees executives presenting the stuff they've been working on in the last year. During Zuckerberg's keynote speech, he announced the social network are getting into the dating game, trying to help users to find perhaps, and I quote, the most meaningful relationships of all. End quote. Shares of Match Group, which owns Tinder, OkCupid, Bumble, and other dating platforms, plunged 25% on the news. Facebook's new dating service will try to avoid becoming just another hookup platform, and instead endeavour to be the birthing spot of many a long-term relationship. How do they plan on doing this? Well, Facebook's innovation will be connecting lovers based on shared events. You'll only be able to see other daters' profiles by unlocking these events. If you match with someone, then you'll be prompted to pick one of their photos to start a conversation—a conversation that will take place in a private place, not connected to Messenger. Zuckerberg made sure to address the elephant in the room, promising that Facebook dating has been created with quote privacy and safety in mind from the beginning. It's understood that the feature will be live in the coming months. Welcome to this week's long listen. So this week's long lesson is written by Edward Fernyhow, great man, bright future, 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 even so, yeah, bright future, including fruit, probably.、Um, and it's about GDPR and impending GDPR stuff. So listen up. The GDPR becomes law on the twenty fifth of May this year. Some of you are likely already aware of the GDPR. Others may be wondering what the chuff that cryptic acronym stands for. For those of you scratching your heads, here's a sketch of an explanation. GDPR, or General Data Protection Regulation, is new EU legislation. It is being introduced to give EU citizens more control over where the companies can collect personal data and how they can then use it once it's in their possession. 
Under GDPR, companies compliant with the legislation will have to clearly receive consent from people when asking for personal data. For example, by using clearly labelled opt-in contact and marketing forms. These stringent new guidelines mean that consumers will have greater ability to deny companies from communicating with them. Good news for individual consumers, but not such great news for businesses. The new GDPR legislation also empowers individuals to request more easily that companies remove their details from databases, a process known technically as the right to be forgotten. Now, I quite like that. It's quite a cool little term, isn't it? Right to be forgotten. Anyway, under GDPR, companies must be prepared to meet subject access requests, demands that individuals are entitled to make of organizations to see the data held about them within a one-month time frame. If a company suffers a data breach, GDPR requires that this is reported to the Information Commissioner's Office within 72 hours. But what the banner are you on about, mate? Where's the shubs? Where are the tins? Why should I care about this? If you're invested in business or if you handle sensitive user data at work, it's worth paying attention to, as there are some pretty hefty punishments for failing to respect consumer data rights under GDPR. Companies can expect fines of up to 10 million euros or 2% of a company's annual turnover for non-compliance, whichever is greater. For companies that suffer data breaches, fines will be up to 20 million euros or 4% of a company's annual turnover, again, whichever is greater. Imagine being responsible for that. You can kiss your contract goodbye because it's going straight in the shredder. Companies able to give evidence that they have tried to comply with GDPR but failed to tick all the boxes will suffer fines a bit less severe. For companies ignorant of this new legislation and or for those unable to adapt quickly enough to comply, the fiscal ramifications will be significant for the health of business. The same transgressions will be punished at much higher costs to businesses by the incoming GDPR than they were under the previous fines issued by the Information Commissioner's Office. For some sense of scale, in 2016, TalkTalk was fined £400,000 for a breach that enabled hackers to access consumer data. Under the GDPR this fine would rise to £59 million. Wow. Pharmacy to you, a much smaller company, was fined £130,000 by the ICO, which would have totaled £4.4 million under the new GDPR. The cost of the fine under GDPR could have put the company out of business, given its size relative to its profits. Yikes. Becoming GDPR compliant means significant changes to the ways many businesses operate. Bigger businesses with swifter access to more resources will theoretically be able to adapt more quickly. I say that theoretically. In a 2016 Dell survey, it was found that more than 80% of the 800 respondents responsible for handling data privacy at European companies knew few details to nothing at all about the GDPR legislation, now just around the corner. In the same 2016 survey, 97% of respondents said they had no compliance plan at the point of asking. Well, a lot has changed in 18 months. My own inbox has already been peppered by companies asking me to update my data privacy settings and to opt into their mailing lists. Necessarily and unsurprisingly, many businesses have become savvier to the incoming legislation than they were in 2016. However, some businesses inevitably will be caught out by GDPR. Smaller companies without the resources to adapt to these changes are likely to be hardest hit. These businesses may not have the finances to employ people to work on this kind of stuff to, you know, implement compliance plans, or their small sizes relative to bigger businesses may simply result in being blindsided by collective ignorance to GDPR. The effects will also be indirect, channeling money and time into the implementation of GDPR compliance plans and away from usual operations will hit bottom lines. 
that some small businesses inevitably will not be able to adapt will result in the punitive fines already mentioned that will suck either 2 to 4% of their annual turnovers or 10 to 20 million euros out of their accounts. Ouch. However, these regulations can benefit you as individual consumers. GDPR gives you the right to easily demand the deletion of your data from the databases of companies, including your contact information, thus diminishing their ability to contact you, as well as reducing the chance they'll leak, brackets, sell your information to other companies without your permission. If you've ever wanted to stem the tide of spam that still cascades into your Hotmail inbox from that period of your life when you filled out email forms on every website under the sun, hold tight. After May 25th, you can demand that they relent. Lo, no more arty erotica photo reels. Whoa, no more monthly carp newsletters. GDPR also enables you to demand your details are removed from the databases of companies, including those notorious for data leaks and identity thefts. And in many cases, unfortunately, you will have to demand due to a legal loophole. Pre-existing legislation commissioned by Europe's Privacy and Electronics Communications Directive that won't be overruled by GDPR, states that opt-in consent is necessary for company data collection unless an individual's details were collected in the context of a sale and the individual was given the choice to opt out. If you chose not to opt out, probably because you know you were rushing and you couldn't be bothered to read the small print, then companies can still legally spam you. A twist of the nips for individual consumers, but a small boon for businesses amidst the prickly issue of trying to avoid multi-million euro fines. your favorite smell in the whole world um the smell of grease what like <laughs> the oven country grease. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the smell of oven grease <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> no the smell of grease in the summer because okay. it just smells like herbs mm. and like dry plants <laughs> and it smells so good smell <laughs> just you know the smell of like oregano in the sun and if you bring herbs home from greece and then you smell them it's nice <laughs> right <laughs> are you one of these people who has like one of those um like pillows full of herbs no yeah. what yeah i think I that's know what you're talking about. i'm pretty sure people do that like little tiny pillows of like rosemary oh yeah i have those no, you do have this. Rose specifically. Yeah, you put them in your drawers with your clothes. Do I? In 1914, if you wanted to visit your estranged aunt in Tokyo and you yourself lived in London, you could expect a journey time of 30-ish days. Now, that's quite a long time. That's pretty ages to be travelling, isn't it? Nowadays, Tokyo is a mere three-quarters of a day away from London. As humans, we're getting better and better at whizzing around our blue planet. This week, Richard Branson, the entrepreneur and Virgin Group CEO, said that we'll be travelling in underground pods at speeds exceeding six, seven, eight hundred miles an hour in just three years' time. Although this might sound like a threat, it's not. It's his vision for our faster future, courtesy of Virgin Hyperloop technology. The Hyperloop will work via magnets to push and pull pods around at high speeds, 
and was actually first devised by Elon Musk in 2013. Elon happily sort of open-sourced and published the whole concept back then and enticed a bunch of players into the game who are all now trying to be the first to put us in super-fast pods. Shout out to the lovers out there. Soon there'll be no such thing as a long-distance relationship. Cambridge Analytica, the data company at the centre of Facebook's recent privacy scandal, announced this week that they would be shutting down and declaring bankruptcy. The negative media attention that has been incessant since Christopher Wiley blew the whistle on the firm's improper gathering of Facebook data has, and I quote them, driven away virtually all of the company's customers and suppliers. As recently as Tuesday, CA were actually still in the fight, urging the public on Twitter to get the facts. But they hung up their hat pretty soon after that. I'll read now from the press release announcing the company's shuttering. Over the past several months, Cambridge Analytica has been the subject of numerous unfounded accusations and, despite the company's efforts to correct the record, has been vilified for activities that are not only legal but also widely accepted as standard as a standard component of online advertising in both the political and commercial arenas. I think it's fair to say that Snapchat has struggled this year, and I think they'll be pretty happy to see the last few months disappear off into the ether. This week, the company's quarterly report came out, bringing with it little more than disappointment. It showed that the number of daily active users only increased by 2% over the period, a figure well down on the 5% it achieved in the previous quarter. A great slowing of growth that the CEO and co-founder Evan Spiegel attributes to February's app redesign that saw snappers complain in droves as beloved features were moved around and the orders of posts changed. Quote, We still have a lot of work to do to optimise the new design, especially for our Android users, Spiegel said. The report also revealed revenue for the period much worse than had been expected. All of this caused the stock to plummet 15% in after-hours trading. Ouch. If your five-year-old self suddenly found themselves inhabiting your current body, what would your five-year-old self do first? probably just like have a look around because you'd be so much taller and you'd see things from such a different perspective so you'd just be like ah oh, trees are like short yeah or were. like oh the mantelpiece <laughs> there are things on the mantelpiece that i can see I might like just thinking of really mundane things like i might you know do some cooking yes because <laughs> when you're five you definitely can't reach stuff to do cooking but when you're five uh, you want to do cooking I wonder what would you do you think you would be shocked by like how fast you could run yeah <laughs> Elon Musk put on his Tesla CEO hat and jumped on a conference call this week but things got a little bit weird seemingly exhausted and clearly frustrated he lashed out an analyst saying that they were asking boring boneheaded questions that were not cool. To be fair, it must be quite depleting having the market constantly break Tesla and bay for its demise. The electric car company is expected to fail spectacularly by an increasingly large crowd of sceptics who think the company's astronomical cash burn and repeated failure to meet targets will cause its early demise. At the end of March, Tesla had $2.7 billion of cash in its accounts. Now, that might seem like a lot of cash, but think about this. In the preceding 12 months, Tesla had rocketed through $3.9 billion. This first quarter of 2018 has hosted a $1 billion cash burn by Tesla, as they have desperately tried to increase Model 3 production. So yeah, that $2.7 billion of cash in the accounts isn't actually, I don't know, it's not that much really. 
And um, yeah, so they need to increase Model 3 production. And if that's successful, then actually they could become profitable within a couple of months. Uh, but Tesla's stock is currently the most shorted stock in the US. So, you know, there's a lot of people thinking this won't actually happen. Missions beyond the International Space Station onto our lunar surface and off towards our red neighbour friend, aka Mars, will all require energy. Traditionally, we might scoop that energy up with solar panels, but that's a bit of a mm, meh approach. On the moon, nights are equivalent to 14 Earth days, something which doesn't really help solar-powered missions. This week, NASA announced the successful test of an exciting alternative, nuclear fission. The space agency have built a tiny nuclear reactor to unlock greater space exploration. The reactor, affectionately acronymized to Krusty with a K, is small, lightweight, and capable of generating power through nuclear fission, which is a controlled chain reaction that splits uranium-235 atoms to release energy. NASA says that Krusty will spit out enough energy during its lifetime to power several average households for at least a decade. Engineers project that as few as four Krusties will be enough to power a space outpost. And it's done. <laughs> it's over. You can open your eyes now. Take it all in. Hopefully the tech world around you makes a bit more sense. You're all caught up. If you enjoyed the show, then please share the zip files with a friend. If you hated it, then please share it with an enemy. Also, sorry to be hashtag that guy, but if you're feeling bright and breezy, happy and friendly, then rating the zip files five stars on Apple Podcasts would help me out massively. I love you all. Until next Sunday, enjoy your oat milk lattes and have a great week.